Hi everyone, this is Tony Tonkin. Thanks for listening to the Kids Matter podcast. If you like these podcasts and wish to support us in the work we are doing, then I invite you to log in to patreon.com slash childprotectionparty and support us for as little as $1 a month. Also, share our podcast with your friends and associates so we can reach more people and have more people connecting with us so we can improve outcomes for kids. This is a movement and you are an important part of it. Hi everyone, it's Tony Tonkin here from the Child Protection Party. I'm glad that you could be with us. This is a recording of an interview we did last night with Rosie Canning. And uh, we've redone it because some of the audio was a bit messed up at the beginning and I'd, the introduction to Rosie was not heard. So I've redone this, um, but the most important thing is to listen to some of the things that Rosie has to say because they're vitally important. So for those of you that are not aware, this is CPTV, so welcome. So before we get underway with the content of what Rosie talked about on our live feed, uh, I'd just like to read through the introduction that I made to her that no one could hear uh, because the audio was poor. So here it is, and then following that are the comments uh, from Rosie and hopefully some of the questions that I ask. Uh, Rosie Canning is a doctoral researcher at uh, University of Southampton. The focus of her research is the representations of orphans and care leavers in fiction. She is examining the research through the lens of both creative and critical practice. The creative piece will explore her experiences of leaving care in the mid-1970s, as well as considering the positive aspect that reading fiction has had in her life. As part of a National Care Leavers Week 2020, a portrait of care was recently launched in collaboration with the University of Southampton and Dr O'Higgins. It is an online exhibition via Instagram using self-portraiture as a way to combat the negative stereotypes people have about children in care. The project invites those who care with care experience and those that work in with the care community to take part. Rosie recently worked as a research assistant in the Department of Experimental Psychology at the University of Oxford. Conversations of Care is a knowledge exchange project co-created with uh, Dr O'Higgins. The aim was to engage people in the care community and stimulate discussions about care and how young people's experience of care can be improved. Care in the Time of COVID is a project that explored the day-to-day lives of care-experienced adults in the UK during COVID-19. And now we'll pass over to Rosie to talk about her involvement in these projects and uh, a bit about her own care experience. Thank you, Rosie. Okay, well, in, in the UK, we tend to use the phrase care experience for anyone that's over 21 rather than care lever. Um, so I'd say that I'm care experienced and um, I was in the care system a, a long time ago, Tony, too many years to uh, to think about. Um, 
so I, yeah, I was actually in the care system from naught to 16. And uh, so, uh, well, actually I say uh, that there were uh, times when I, uh, you know, lived with um, various relatives. Um, and um, I was going to say in and out of people's houses, which tends to be, um, unfortunately, um, you know, the uh, the experience of a lot of people that are in the care system. So my original question was to Rosie, which I don't think people heard because my sound died for some reason. Okay. But uh, the original question was, what is it that you've learned? Why has have you prepared, been prepared to, or um, doing the work that you're doing because of your care experience? Okay. Um, yeah, I was in, in the care system many, many years ago, Tony. And um, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I left school um, in the 70s and got a job and got married, had children. And it's almost like I didn't even really speak about my care experience for, for, for years and years and years. And um, then in 2013, I think it was as late as that, just before that, 2011, I got involved with um, a local library that was closing. And um, we had what well, in, in the UK, we've got some um, people called the, uh, the Occupy Movement. Some people call them squatters. Anyway, they occupied the library and I became their sort of um, social media uh, guru, uh, guru and right-hand person of the um, the chap that was organising everything. His name was Phoenix. And so f literally straight after that, um, I'd been chatting to some care experience people via social media. This was in 2013. And uh, one of the guys' name was Ben Ashcroft. And round about this time, the government in the UK suddenly announced that people that were in foster care, rather than having to leave at 18, leave the house at 18, they'd be able to stay until they were 21. Uh, but that those in residential care, i.e. in a sort of bigger children's home, they still had to leave at 18. And people were just absolutely gobsmacked about this. That, that the government could be uh, publicly so. Um, can you still hear me? Yep, yep, everybody's yeah, fine. I, I was just checking. I couldn't hear myself. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the government were overtly. Um, goodness me, what is what is that word? Can you help me here, Tony? The government was um, overtly. ignorant. <laughs> I think we could think of lots of words, couldn't we? Um, I can think. I can think of many words to describe the government. <laughs> yes. So um, anyway, we couldn't believe that they were actually saying this in public that they were going to treat two um, uh, two groups of children so differently. Both groups that were under their care, and uh, Ben Ashcroft, who wrote a book called Fifty One Moves, which, as it says on the title, means that he moved fifty one times from uh, the age of about eight to uh, 16, um, which is unbelievable, but it, it's still going on. And it's one of the real problems for uh, people that leave the care system when they've been moved around, uh, you know, such a such a lot. Um, 
so he was at a conference and he had some young children from a, a, a local children's home and they heard this announcement at the conference and these young children turned around to him and said what does that mean what does that mean for us and uh, ben said i you know he didn't know what to say to them and uh, it, he then spoke to various people and i was one of them and he said what can we do and um because I'd literally just come out of the uh, Brian Barnett Library um, situation, uh, I had an I had a few ideas about social media. I think social media then was still in its infancy, really. Although it's only uh, seven years ago, there wasn't. I don't think there was that much campaigning going on, and also even um, uh, oh, goodness me, petitions. Uh, even they were still that there weren't that many around. Um, so we started a petition um, uh, about getting this, um, uh, getting the uh, children that would have to leave children's homes at 18, the same recognition as those that were in foster care, i.e. so that they could stay till they were 21. Um, uh, you know, we started things on Twitter. We started up a Facebook group. And it was it was hugely successful very, very quickly. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people signed the petition. Uh, unfortunately, that situation has not been resolved. Um, the government her, have trying to they're trying to introduce something called stay closer, which I think means you still got to leave, but you might be able to go back for a Sunday dinner or something. Um, so that was how I think I really started to get involved with um, campaigning uh, for care leavers um, and children in care. Can you talk to us a little bit about the, um, the, the impact of being an advocate, of, of wanting, wanting change within the child protection system with, in relation to care leavers and others? You know, like what is that role like? What is that role like in, in the UK? Uh, well, I have to say, Tony, there's a huge amount going on in the UK. It's almost like there's been an avalanche. Um, there are a huge amount of organisations and charities that are really um, supporting, uh, you know, uh, care leavers. There, there's a lot going on. Um, and there's also a lot going on on social media platforms like, for example, uh, Twitter, um, which is, I'm not sure if that's how... I met Dee, but um, I met Dee through the Care Experience Conference, and I met your mm. met you as well, Tony. You did in the in the Foundling Museum of all places. That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, so it feels like there is quite a lot going on in the UK. Um, you know, I just mentioned the Care Experience Conference, which was a huge event. Um, there was over two hundred care leavers care experienced people that attended uh, ages from 15 to 88 and uh, people that had never met another care experienced person for many many years and uh, it was a hugely emotional gathering and um, you know there were all sorts of things going on my role was to curate the um, uh, art exhibition with two wonderful artists Rod Kippen and um, Yusuf and uh, that was you know that was it was emotional but it was huge fun as well 
And the amount of people that said, I've never spoken about my care experience. And it's so wonderful to be here today and to be amongst people that I don't have to actually say anything to because they understand um, the background and we've got that in common. And um, there was a point actually in the day where I went into the uh, lecture hall. Um, it was held at uh, Liverpool Hope, which I thought was a brilliant place for mm. it to be held, Hope. Um, and I went into the lecture hall and I just looked up and every seat was filled and people were standing as well. And I was really overcome, you know, just to think, goodness me, all these people have got care experience and we're coming together. Uh, it was it was a wonderful thing. And uh, there was lots of workshops and there's been reports and also 10 messages um, uh, that I mean, there's loads of messages. <laughs> But we've, we, you know, we put together um, 10 messages from uh, care leavers and uh, care experienced people. Um, have you noticed, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to take my earpiece out because I keep hearing myself reiterate and it's just very disconcerting, I discovered. I don't know how radio announcers do it. But um, I'd, I'm just wondering whether you could talk a little bit about the groundswell since that conference and, and whether the media, other people don't have care experiences if you've if you've noticed any interest or further interest in just the general community around kids in care their experiences and the changes that need to be made in order to improve that sort of experience goodness me tony i need a pencil to write all that down i'm sorry <laughs> you're going to have to remind me okay <laughs> in a minute yep. so let's let's do the first bit about interest um from what I've seen in the UK, um, and I think this is also, it's almost like there's a, a journey that is happening as we're speaking. And that journey at the moment, as we all know, is COVID. Um, and you mentioned the research project that I did with Ephra O'Higgins and um, uh, uh, Jono, I can't remember his surname, goodness me, sorry, Jono. Um, yes, at the University of Oxford. Um, so, so you're talking about a portrait of care? No, I'm talking about care in the time of COVID because it's part oh, of right. the journey. Yep. It's part of the journey. So uh, we did this project and we asked care experienced adults, so anyone over 18 to take part. There were two aspects to it. One was a survey, which was looking at how people were coping. And the second bit was uh, to submit a diary entry from various prompts so there were different prompts every week and we did this from may to june which was sort of when it was at its height in um in the uk and what happened was that people spoke about their anxiety uh, their depression how they were coping how they weren't coping and because everybody i feel is in the same boat at the moment i in terms of anxiety depression uh, the isolation, it's given people a real insight into um, what what care leavers and care experience people go through, but every day of every week of every month of every year, it's mm. given people an insight. And it's, I think it's helped people to understand what that is like. And that in turn has meant that there are now more organisations and charities and also government who are looking at how uh, care leavers are coping during COVID and offering more support. 
Um, so, so, that so what have you noticed then? What, what, what are you noticing they are now doing that they weren't doing before, though? Okay, so I think there's money that's being um, that that is available to organisations to do more support work. So let's think about, say, the Rees Foundation. Um, they're an organisation in the UK that do a huge amount of work with care experienced people. They've got like a cafe where people can go and meet and chat and stuff. But in the last uh, few months, um, I've noticed that they're doing a lot more uh, supportive work. So. For example, if you're a student in university, they've now got a group where you can meet once a month and have a chat. Um, they've got uh, well-being, um, uh, oh, sorry, uh, well-being workshops. Um, what else? Uh, I think if you need to speak to somebody, uh, there is now various places where, not that they weren't available before, some of these uh, organizations did have that but I think there's more from from what I'm seeing there is more support out there uh, for those that are um, you know leaving care or care experience so I mean some of them are actually saying well we know that this is affecting adults so let's give them some help as well whereas before it's normally the under 25s yes and do you notice the um, like those people that have care experiences, you know, go on to have families themselves, I think, as you've done. Um, they they experience the problems that are associated with not understanding what relationships look like. They have issues around anxiety, stress, post-traumatic stress disorder from their experiences either in care or from their, uh, from their families. So, and I wonder what governments are doing to address all of those issues for the adults that, are, that have left care. Well, I, Tony, to be honest, I don't know that there is that much happening. It tends to be things that happen from the grassroots level up. Um, I, I don't know if you know of Who Cares Scotland, if you've heard of them. Um, they're yeah, Dee and, I, Dee and I went and met with them when we were in the UK. So, yep, sure do. Okay. They are a fantastic organisation who are from what I can see, doing a huge amount with um, care leavers and care experienced people. And um, sorry, you'll have to remind me what the question was again. Well, the, the, the question is, um, there are a lot, of a lot of parents, sorry, there are a lot of care leavers oh, grow yeah. up to, be, yeah, yeah. to have relationships. They experience post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, stress. There's a lot of issues that are created as a result as a result of simply being in care or traumatised as a kid. And my yeah. question to you is, what services are being offered? And, and you seem to be saying not enough. So, so what further so so what further services are required in order to be able to assist kids leaving care? Okay, so the reason that I was mentioning um, Who Cares Scotland is because they recently did a care review, which was an amazing project. And it was set up by those, it was set up by the, it was um, supported by the government, i.e. Nicola Sturgeon. Um, and, uh, but it, you know, they made sure that it was led by care experienced people. Now, it's really interesting <laughs> that, most people in England are confused 
about what they should or shouldn't be doing in regards to safeguarding um, and COVID. And interestingly, the same thing is going on in England around the idea of a, a, a care review. So people were told there was going to be a care review in the UK, uh, in England, and yet nobody knows who is going to be running it, who's involved. And uh, for example, you know, people that were involved in the care experience conference, none of us have been contacted by the government to say, okay, we're setting this up, would you like to be involved? Um, so that would be the, an ideal opportunity to not just look at um, the way the care system is run at the moment for under 25s, but it, it would also be a chance for them to look at you know, what's going on with adults. And it's not happening, <laughs> Tony. It's not happening. So I guess I, um, find, I find that so sad that, yeah. you know, that, that was a fabulous conference. It was the best conference I've ever been to, I think, about it. You know, and it was run by and held, held by uh, care leavers and those people that were really concerned about people leaving care and those kids and those that were in care or currently are in care. Yet... Yet governments don't seem to to look to those people uh, or to hear their voice, I guess, about their experiences around being in care. And as you're just saying, they don't utilise all that experience either. Um, you know, that the organisation in Scotland is outstanding because I think they have the support of the First Minister, yeah, which, exactly. and this is the problem, isn't it, that we need to get more politicians involved to be able to uh, bring about the change that's required. Unfortunately, Tony, that is the case. Although um, you met Jamie Crabb at the conference. Mm. Um, uh, he's a psychotherapist. And his idea is that let's it's not going to happen with the government. <laughs> We've seen this over and over again. I mean, if you think I'm 62, I left care 40 six years ago or something and um you know things have not changed the same mistakes are being made even though those that are putting the safeguards in place and you know saying how the care system, care system should be run know of the problems putting young very very young vulnerable girls into b&bs with you know people that are dealing in drugs and all sorts of things that is still going on so um yes i've got myself all passionate now <laughs> well, um, well if you ever watch any of my videos you know how passionate i can be but i guess this is the problem the the problem is like like d d with a colleague wrote a book about the foster care system in australia and their conclusion at the end was that over 120 years, nothing has changed, basically. Yes. And yeah. I find that uh, incomprehensible that yes. the system refuses to change to address the problems, not just about kids going into care, but kids exiting care as well. Yeah. You know, and what is wrong with a system that will not address that problem? And I, it keeps, yeah. I don't know what you think about this, but it keeps coming back to that the notion that kids don't matter, number one. Uh, number two, do these kids bring it upon themselves because they're crappy kids, because their parents were crappy, whatever the case might be. 
and that the system itself refuses to take responsibility as to the reasons why these kids were in care in the first place. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of mentioning uh, Jamie Crabb, a psychotherapist. So he's he's saying, you know, let's have conversation. Let's start doing stuff from grassroots. And I think it's it's exactly the same with what's going on with COVID. I'm having to make my own rules because we're you know i'm so confused about what the english government are telling us to do or not to do wales has just decided we're going into lockdown and i mean mm. i think that australia did an absolutely excellent job uh with the lockdown and new zealand i mean wow i mean <laughs> uh what a fantastic uh, now rosie minister. don't don't bring up new zealand because that's a real issue for us oh because sorry. they're they're our 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 enemy yeah, even though they speak the same language, talk the same way, but they are, they are, they're not friendly. Yeah, I can oh, tell you now. Okay. So, okay. No, I'm okay. only joking. No, no, I've got oh. a, I've actually got, I've actually got a couple of grandkids that are New Zealanders, and my my, my daughters are in New Zealand too. So, <laughs> no, they're great people. But um, I do need to, I do need to add to that thing about COVID though, and just mention that here in South Australia, we haven't had a COVID case for so long, we've forgotten what the problem is. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, you know what's going on in the UK. It's it's mm, um, devastating. It's very, very very scary because, you know, we know that there's going to be a huge amount of people that are going to die because the government are so incompetent. Um, oh, look, I've said that in public now. That'll be the end of any career that I might have had. <laughs> well, so much for any research funding that you required. You just flushed it down the toilet because you do need to realise that so many people watch the Child Protection Party Facebook page and that's where they get their news and they'll find out about you regardless. So even though we've had, you know, about 12 people log in, but you just never know. Right? You're in big trouble now. Yeah. So I guess I guess the issue is that uh, perhaps you could just talk a little bit more about a portrait of care and, and okay. some of the work that you've done um, in relation to uh, university work. And also, I know that you're a writer and that I'll be interested to also know how that has all come about, given your experiences of being in care and that the expectations for kids in care are not all that high, but you somehow seem to have exceeded them. Yeah, well, look at my age, Tony. You know, if I'd have had a, a really good supportive network when I was in care and leaving care, you know, I would have done all these things, you know, when I was a, a lot younger. And I think that's one of the things that um, one of the research, um, sorry, if Dee's watching, see Dee, I need you. <laughs> um Yes, that's one of the things that's coming out in research is that uh, what they're saying is that people with care experience tend to go to university a lot later um, than, say, you know, your ordinary kid in um, uh, with mum or mum and dad or whatever. Um, so I'm going to ask you to ask me some of that again in a minute, Tony, but I'm just going to concentrate on a bit of my journey um, because mm, I thought fantastic. it was quite yeah, it was it was quite an interesting um, part of the journey. So I went to university for the first time in the 90s. I was 30 something and I studied um, English literature. And um, then after that, uh, I, I left it a few years and then I did a master's in creative writing. But 
it's quite interesting. Every time you go to university, well, I find this, you always have like a bit of a rest afterwards to, you know, recover from all that studying. Not that it wasn't enjoyable, it was hugely. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do a piece of work. I didn't know what it was. Um, and I knew it would be around care leavers. I knew that because of my own experience. And I started writing um, a memoir, uh, autobiographical, autobiography <clears throat> but it's what I'd call quite dark and um, I, I sort of left it you know in the bottom drawer and uh, then I met um, uh, somebody called Lindsay Bamfield and uh, her and I set up writing groups and festivals in North London she's now in Melbourne funnily enough <laughs> um, with her daughter and um so for many years, we were involved in that and it took up all our time. We had, you know, we had a great time organising festivals, meeting loads of writers. One of my things was uh, to try and get um, writers that had care experience to be part of the festival, which, um, you know, happened quite a few times. We had people like Alex Wheatle who came along and Paolo Hewitt. If you don't know them, you can look them up. They, they, they're, they're writing uh, Alex is tends to be fiction and Paolo is um, autobiographical writing, both very good writers. Um, so it was like I was still keeping my hand in sort of thing. And then I got involved with uh, an organisation called the Reading Agency who run um, uh, reading groups uh, in local community centres and libraries and things. And the idea behind this is that um, you read a book together so you might read a poem or a short story and you discuss it. And it's you don't you don't look at like literary techniques and things like that. It's more, you know, what's going on in the story. And within that, people tend to reflect on themselves and might talk about something that's similar, to, you know, that's happened to them. And it's a brilliant um, organisation. And the, one of the guys that uh, was managing us, he said to me, I know that you're mad about orphans. <laughs> He mm. said, there's an event on at the Royal Festival Hall that you might enjoy. And it's called From Pip to Potter. Um, and that's about, obviously, orphans in literature. And this was um, by a chap called Lem Sisse, who I know has been to Australia now. And uh, he's very well known, um, you know, all over the world, in fact. And uh, he's talked a lot about and, and he grew up in the care system. Um, and he has, you know, he has talked a lot about um, orphans being superheroes and why is it that children in care are treated so differently to, you know, our heroes and heroines in literature. And um, I think he inspired um, Dee as well uh, with her um, uh, everyday heroes, isn't it? Her, her fantastic website. Super, superheroes. Uh, okay, superheroes, yeah. Everyday superheroes, is it? Uh, I forget what Dee can just get online and tell us. Okay, yeah, okay, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, so I went along to this event. I hope I'm not going on here, Tony, but it was, no, you know, when there's not anything that reflects you or that speaks to you, you're very lonely and isolated. And this was the first event where I went along and it was like, oh my God. It, it was almost like, Lem, this is secret. Please don't tell anyone. <laughs> it 
it was like my sustenance, mm. what had kept me going for so many years. And um, it was a fantastic event. And, you know, he spoke about Harry Potter and, and um, you know, Pip from Dickens and various other um, orphans in literature. And that got, my, got me thinking. And the same day I met somebody called Josie Pierce. She's now Dr. Josie Pierce. And uh, she, her PhD was looking at orphans, but the earlier orphans, so Mole Flanders, um, you know, orphans like that. And she was doing a creative writing PhD and her and I became firm friends on that day. And, you know, we've, we've done all sorts of things together. Um, and uh, she really inspired me. And I, I knew in the back of my mind, I'm gonna do something. I just don't know what it is. And that day I thought, now I know what it is. Now I know what I'm gonna be doing. Because one of my pet hates over the years has, has been how um, care leavers and care experienced people are portrayed uh, in literature, in the media, um, uh, normally in quite a negative way. I'm hoping that that is changing. But usually, you know, the guy that's the serial killer, mm, yeah, he he grew up in care. <laughs> that sort of thing, Tony. I'm sure that you're really familiar with that narrative. Um, yes, so, yeah, yes, I am. Really and um, But I always get intrigued because, if anything, if we're going to watch a movie at all with my wife, it's going to be around something to do with care leavers. Um <laughs> But, uh, and she, she attracts them like, you know, bees to a honeypot. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> but um, she, I guess the other thing too is, you know, why do we have some superheroes like Batman, Superman as um, foster kids um, who are the heroes, yet we have so many stories that are about, you know, foster kids being identified as being the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that goes on in um, films and literature. Um, and uh, this is an interesting question, Tony, and it's not something I can answer today because it's part of my PhD research. And uh, actually, Dee and I were talking about this the other day as well. Um, it's about pinpointing how did this, how did this narrative start, you know, that um, children from ordinary families um, are you know, the good ones and achieve and mm. um, orphans and uh, children in care in orphanages. They're the, you know, they're the seen as the um, stereotyped as the, the bad one. And I think, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of history in there. And some of it is down to, you know, say for example, in the Victorian era, when uh, the, they wanted to make families this almost sort of romantic, mystical thing. And um, they needed a way to do that. And I suppose a, a way to do that was to make the, um, you know, the orphan character um, not such a hero. And I, I know that sort of went on a bit like if you think about um, uh, Heathcliff, you know, um, mm. in mm. Wuthering Heights and how he's portrayed. Uh, that was sort of going on at the time then. Um, and it's really, it's, I think there's going to be more coming out. Uh, Who Cares Scotland are looking at um, culture for uh, National Care Leavers Week. Um, and uh, they're going to be looking at a lot of the history, which I can't wait, um, you know, to uh, read and hear about, uh, because it'll help me with my PhD, Tony. <laughs> 
Does does National Care Leavers Week get much of attraction in the UK? Do you know? It's beginning to, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, this is a this is um, a, a, a way that people tr- um, are trying to change that narrative by saying actually National Care Leavers Week is about looking at all the wonderful things that um, care leavers are, are, are doing. And that sort of brings us nicely to a portrait of care um, because that's what that's about as well. And it is part of National Care Leavers Week. Um, so uh, a portrait of care is a, a project that's happening um, uh, up until the 1st of November. And the idea is that, um, uh, well, I mean, we've spoken about this a lot now, that uh, due to the negative connotations associated with being looked after, we know that almost every care experienced person comes into contact with discrimination at one point in their Mm. lives because of their background. So um, a portrait of care is an online exhibition via Instagram using self-portraiture as a way to combat those negative stereotypes people have about children in care. And the way that that works is that you cannot tell somebody's uh, care experience by looking at a photograph. Um, so it works by, we've, um, I've put, we've put it together so that there's, um, this is a collaboration with the University of Southampton and Aoife O'Higgins. Um, and we've put it together so that there's three frames. There's a photograph, and the second frame, somebody talks about their life now. And then um, the, the third frame is where we have a sort of care status reveal. Um, and this is not just for care experienced people. We want people that work in the care community and people um, all over the world to take part. So, you know, people in Australia, if you're working in the care community or you're a care leaver or care experience, then please do take part. It's um, at symbol a portrait of care or one word on Instagram. Um, yeah. So. And how uh, would how how would we best promote and advertise that? Do you think here in Australia? Um, I think social media, uh, sharing yep. it via Facebook, um, Twitter. Um, if you know anybody that um, has been in care share it with them. We've got a a little exciting addition to the uh, project. Um, So uh, what we've done is we've said that the first 30 people that take part will be entered into a draw and there will be 10 winners. I wish that everyone could be a winner, but we we don't have enough (laughs) time. Um, So we've got some care experienced artists, 10 of them, who are going to be, uh, you know, I've put, we've putting their details up on the mm. Instagram page mm. and they're going to be creating portraits of 10 people. And they, those portraits will go up on the project on the last day of National Care Leavers Week, which is the 1st of November. So that's really exciting. And also every um, care experienced person that takes part gets um, a five pound voucher. Um, well, if they're in the UK anyway, um, I'm not sure how that would work in Australia, Tony, to be honest. It's, no, it's probably $7, $7.50. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's a thank I don't know whether we're more. <laughs> it's a thank you from the University of Southampton, you know, for, for taking yeah. part sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. There's, 
you know, as I as I'm thinking about this conversation that we're having, uh, Rosie, there's there's so many questions I need to ask you. There really are, but we just don't have enough time to mm-hmm. get through all of them. And to be fair to those people that have watched us tonight, we started late because we just couldn't get our act together in time. Um, so might just need to conclude it here, but I just want to say I'm deeply grateful for having you here. You're the first of our international guests. I hope that you inspire others uh, to also participate by talking to us and also having conversations with us about setting up a political arm that does something similar to the Child Protection Party but in the UK. You know, do you, do you think there is potentially the need for a political... And a lot depends on the political system. So we have a yeah. system here which, with the Senate uh, and proportional representation and gives minor parties an opportunity to participate in government. But then, you know, you might also have opportunities to participate in local governments too, more so than we do. Um, mm. You know, so a lot depends on that. So just, just in passing, I'm just wondering what mm. your thoughts are around any of that. Wow, that sounds quite exciting and an exciting thought, Tony, because um, here in the UK, uh, you know, we've got the Equality Act. And um, if you're um, BAME um, or LGBT or disabled, you have some protection under the Equality Act. It means that people can't be um, racist towards you or derogatory or whatever. And um, and uh, unfortunately, that has not been extended to those uh, care leavers and care experienced children in care. And that means that there's um, a, there's quite a few things that happen in terms of uh, that protection. So, for example, um, the other day, um, we saw that there was another petition um, in a village in uh, part of the UK where they, uh, the local people had got together. We're starting a petition. There's going to be a children's home built here. We don't want it. We don't want kids with trauma. We don't want kids that blah, blah, blah. And uh, if uh, those with care experience were protected under the Equalities Act, then um, they wouldn't be able to do that because it would be legal. Um, so, you know, they definitely need... Um, something more going on in this country and i'd never thought of a political party um but uh yeah i'll have some conversations with people and and get back to you about that please do i, I know that when we were in that conference uh in um liverpool that uh quite a few people approached me quite fascinated by the fact that we we had a political party and i i, I left thinking well I don't know. I don't know why you'd be so fascinated about that. In Australia, we have more minor parties coming out of our backside than I think any other country on earth. So, yeah, there's there's hundreds of us around. So, is that not a thing in the UK? Don't they think about minor parties? Um, and and you know, this is like one of one of our key issues, I guess, is that motivating people to be interested enough in the outcomes for kids. Period. Forget about just child protection, but it's also about, you know, kids that are struggling at school, workplace yeah. bullying, suicide rate amongst uh, adolescents and kids in general, mental health issues and the fun- lack of funding for mental health for kids. So there's a whole range of areas that yeah. should be of interest to the public if we're interested enough in kids. But it just That's seems true. to me the only time we're interested in a kid is when one dies. Yeah. 
and particularly yeah. when they die in care, yeah, then you know front page news and everybody gets upset. Yeah, for a little while, and then yeah, it, and until then it, it's, it seeps its way through to you yeah. know the sports section yeah. or something. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. I think that's about being political, isn't it? Um, and thinking in a, a, a slightly different way, um, thinking about being. I think the problem with politics is that a lot of it's really confusing <laughs> and difficult well, to I understand. Think, yeah, I think the issue for us is that if we if we wish to change this system, if we if we wish to have laws that ensure that kids are cared for beyond the age of 18 or 21 or 25, whatever it is in Scotland now, but um, that kids, that the services required for these people as they turn into adults uh, are not piecemeal, that they're serious, that it's no different from providing services to Vietnam vets and others who have been through trauma, um, yeah. that, that our care needs to extend, not just beyond people leaving care, but it needs to extend to helping those people that are in care so that when they leave, they don't have the trauma that most kids do have when they leave care and go into adulthood. So it's legislation and it's policies that change all of that. You know, like we can have the ground root stuff, which is, you know, we can hold up placards and, you know, yell and scream in front of Parliament House and all that other sort of stuff and have rallies. But it's not until people actually get in power that influence other people that make those decisions like governments that I think that we'll actually see any positive change in any of these areas in relation to kids at all. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a, I suppose a political party is the is the start of that, isn't it? It's a it's a really well, good it's, idea. It's an important part of it. Yeah. And politics is about advocacy, is it not? Yes. So you know we, you know you have the Greens and you have other people. They yeah. they came about because the issues concerning a, a lot of people were you know the environment and other stuff and and they had to have you know like a lot of the labor party came about because of the the need to uh, protect yeah. workers yeah. um so yeah. most pa most parties came about because of yeah. a social need and yes. you know we have a social need at the moment which is about kids yeah. being cared for and kids Absolutely. and services being offered to kids so that kids have better outcomes yeah. Yeah. and why aren't people you know my, i'm com i sound like i'm raving now I know not, that I am. These are issues that yeah. should be important to all of us, no matter where we live. Yeah. I'm going to investigate how to start a political party. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> Do. No, Do it. Um, let me I, know. And There's some conversations to be had here, Tony, with, um, you know, uh, some of the... Um, uh, I don't want to call them... Um, some of the people that are very, very interested in the welfare of children. So um, there's some quite interesting voices in the UK who I think would uh, be interested in something like this. So I'm going to go and uh, I will go away and have some conversations and we will be coming back to you and saying, you know. Well, we could become, you know, we, we haven't got anybody in Parliament at the moment, but I've been at this for five years now and we've, we've made some incredible progress. Uh, just in terms of being registered as an official political party federally, which not all that parties get the opportunity to do that. We've had to work yeah. pretty hard at getting membership up and, you know, meeting yeah. a few criteria and stuff. So, yeah. but why couldn't we have an international group 
That is, yeah. it doesn't matter what you call yourself, providing you have policies that are similar that are about yeah. looking after and making sure the well-being of kids are cared for. Absolutely. And I think that the more that we all link up, um, you know, nationally and internationally, I think the stronger and louder our voices become. So mm. I think that's absolutely to talk about. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rosie... I think you're fabulous, and oh, uh, we must do this again. Except we we've, we've got to start on time next time, so we've we've got to work that out somehow, and I'm sure that we will. Um, and I've been having a look through. There's some um, there's some responses on our Facebook page that you might like to just have a look at at some time during the day because your day's your day's starting. Ours is coming to an end. Um, yeah. So you might like to have a look at some of those questions. Just respond to the, those that you think are appropriate, uh, yeah, and uh, and connect with some of the people that are there. Um, I don't know how many, and also um, share uh, the uh, and share share this video as well. Um, and I just want to apologise to everybody because my sound died apparently uh, at the beginning of this, and so I was ranting and raving, and you couldn't hear me. I think you were blessed. So half your luck. Um, but uh, this has been a fantastic conversation and I really do appre appreciate, Rosie, you spending the time with us. Just stay online. Don't disconnect just at the moment as we finish. Okay. Um, but thanks a lot, Rosie. You're a gem. Thank you very much for um, inviting me. It's been great. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, everybody remember that uh, it is important that... Um, you can register with the Child Protection Party and that the membership fee is $12 a year and that uh, we are here to look after you and your kids to make sure that everybody, that it's equitable and that it's fair and that we have the best outcomes that we possibly can have for kids. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being with CPP TV and thanks, Rosie, for being with us as well. Good night, everybody. Mm -hmm.